Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Go ahead and turn with me, if you will, to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, I'm going to take you through a passage of Scripture this morning, a great story, a great story of the Bible, but something that has just been on my heart this week uh, that I want to uh, just remind us of. I think sometimes we, uh, we all go through battles. We all know that. We face challenges along the way, but sometimes we start trying to face those challenges and battles in our own strength and our own power, and when we do that, we are inept at best. We are unable to deal with uh, the, the difficulties of those moments. And so we need to remind ourselves from time to time that the battle is not ours, but it is the Lord's. Amen? The battle is not mine, it is God's. And God is the only one that can really work it out to my good and to bring the benefits of the ordeal uh, to my understanding and to, to my dominion even. And so we, we want to remind you of that today. And we're going to look at the story of Jehoshaphat. Uh, not a great name, but a great king. Uh, I'm sure he got picked on as a young child because of his name, but uh, we won't hold that against him this morning. Uh, we're going to just look at what he did because he was really a great king. He's one of the few kings um, in the Old Testament, um, the king of Judah, who actually loved God, sought God. I mean, there was very few of them. Most of them were wicked kings. However, Jehoshaphat is one of those kings who is a great example for us. He gives us uh, a great way of even dealing with adversity and, and challenges as they come. He, he was a king who did his best to follow God and to follow God's will. And he was a, God, he was a king who sought God and, and desired to, to please Him. And so I think even from those things, we can take a lot. And so today I want to preach to you that the battle is the Lord's. Would you pray with me this morning and then we're going to get right into our text today. Father, we thank you today, God, that you are here in this place, that God, everything that we face in life, Lord, we don't face alone, we face it with you. And so, Father, no matter what we are dealing with, no matter what we're going through, no matter what is even approaching us in the future, we trust that, God, even though it comes, we know that you walk with us through it, you help us to overcome it, and you are waiting for us on the other side of it to bring about blessing and a release, a provision into our lives. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. I'm going to take us through several passages of Scripture here, so if you've got your Bible, turn there, stay with me, and uh, I'm going to walk you through uh, this, this entire story, and then we're going to just pull some great things from it. Can we do that this morning? Amen. Amen. All right. First, or Second Chronicles 20, verse 1. It says, It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. He is the king of Judah. And he has this great army that's coming out against him. It says in verse 2, then, come, then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude, somebody say a great multitude, is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Engedi. Now look at verse 3. This is where we want to hone in first. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. He has this tremendous army that's coming against him. 
He gets the word from the people that are watching and and paying attention. They come to him and they say, Look, there's this massive army and they're coming for you. They're coming for Judah. They're coming to destroy us. And Jehoshaphat was fearful, of course. I mean, obviously, when you have something coming against you, it's natural for us to fear. But his response to fear is what we need to look at today because it says, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. He didn't just let fear direct his steps. He didn't let fear consume him. It's natural for us to fear. Anybody ever been afraid of something? Everybody been afraid of of a relationship or afraid uh, of taking a risk or afraid uh, of of walking through uh, difficulties in your life. We all fear that, but what is our response to that? His reaction to fear was the correct one. He sought to seek God and went after the Lord to find out what God had to say about the situation. Courage is not the absence of fear, but is the correct response to it. Because fear, like I said, is natural. Fear is something we're going to face. Fear is something we're all going to deal with. But how we respond to it is what truly matters. He feared and set himself to seek the Lord. He went to the right person. He went to the one, the only one, that could actually do anything about the problem. How many times do we find ourselves in a trying situation and instead of going to the right one, we go to a lot of others? We're all guilty of that. I mean, that's the natural response is, well, i got to call so-and-so, and i got to call this person, and i got to go see so-and-so, and make sure that they understand. Listen, the best thing we can do when we're facing challenges and difficulties is go to the only one that can do anything about that, and that is God. And Jehoshaphat understood that. That's why he was a uh, king that sought, uh, was after God's heart and, and just was a godly king because he understood that the only one that could do anything about the problem was God, and that's who he went to. It says, it goes on to say in verse 3 that he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. There are times when trials are so great that it demands we fast. Fasting is one of those things that that has been lost a lot of times, I think, in churches. And and, and even though we fast yearly, I don't think we fast, you know, personally probably uh, as much as we should. Because I think that that fasting just puts us in a place where we are fully reliant on God and looking to Him for answers in those situations. He proclaimed a fast throughout Judah. He enlisted people to His cause. Well, Pastor, didn't you just say that we shouldn't go? No, I didn't say you shouldn't go to other people. Because I think it's important for us to enlist people to a cause. I think it's vitally important when you're going through a trying time that you find some people that will pray with you and will seek the Lord with you. We have to have people that, that, that come alongside us and walk with us through challenges in our life. There's, there's a force attacking the people of God and together they understand is the only way we're going to overcome this. So I would challenge you not to keep problems to yourself. When you face something, don't keep it to yourself. The Bible tells us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. He tells us to go and and enlist people to our cause. But there is a difference between enlisting people to join you in a cause and just talking about a problem. There's a difference there. There's a difference between enlisting people to to a cause and us together seeking the Lord and us together trying to to get God's... um, God's word in the situation and just talking about a problem. We need others to go with us to the Lord, but that's the key. We need to go together to the Lord. Let's look at verse 4. So Judah 
calls the fast. He, he sets himself to seek the Lord. And verse 4 says, So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. I love that. I love that when the king calls... And he says, look, there's an army coming. We need to seek God. There, there isn't a bunch of debate about that. They just all gather and they decide that we're going to respond to the call. If, if we need to, to seek God at this time, then let's seek God. You can never go wrong seeking God. Amen? Even if you don't understand why we're seeking God in this particular time, you can't go wrong doing it. It's only going to work for your benefit and for your good. People were quick to respond to the call. They didn't need to be persuaded. They didn't need to be motivated. They didn't need to be uh, encouraged to do it. They just heard the call and they mobilized. The Bible tells us from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. From all the cities. Verse 5 goes on to say, and I want you to note as I read this, how many times Jehoshaphat uses the word you or your or directs his prayer to God. He stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem. In the house of the Lord before the new court, and he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven, and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name. Saying if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence. For your name is in this temple. And cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. How many times does Jehoshaphat praying before the assembly of people direct his prayer and attention to God? Over and over and over again. He understood that if the answer is going to come, God's the one that's going to bring the answer. If deliverance is going to come, God's the one that's going to bring deliverance. This is faith at work. This is faith at work in our lives. When we, we look to God and we, instead of approaching God and saying, God, I don't know how I'm. God, I don't know where we're going to get the answers. I don't know how we're going to deal with this. But when we say, God, I am your child. I belong to you. I serve you. Your name is written in this temple. And your name is on the line here in this situation. God, it's your name, not mine, in this situation that is on the line. He understood that. Look, if, if Judah falls then all the enemies can stand there and they can say, God really wasn't with those people. God didn't really have those people's back. God really wasn't with that church. God really wasn't working in that couple's life. God really wasn't at work in this situation. But when God rises up and delivers them and stands for them and fights for them, then nobody has a doubt that God is on their side. We are the children of God this morning. And this battle today is not yours. Whatever you're facing, it belongs to God. And your, His name is written in the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit this morning. And His name is written in you. And the battle is His this morning. He's going to defend what's His today. He's going to defend what, is, what belongs to Him. And you belong to Him. Your reputation, Lord, is at stake. Everyone knows that I belong to you. Everyone knows that I belong to you. Verse 10, it says, and now. 
God, I have directed this all back to you. I have, I have made it clear, Father, that we stand here humble before you, recognizing that you are God over this city. You are God over these people. You are God over this country. You are God over this situation. And Lord, I want to make you aware this morning. He says, and now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are. And this is our payback, rewarding us by coming to us, throwing us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Isn't that good this morning? We have no power in this situation. Have you ever been in a situation where it's just beyond you? Where you are absolutely powerless to bring out any positive results? All of us have been there. We have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we even know what to do. I don't even know what to do. God, this sickness is bigger than me, and I don't know what to do. God, this this crisis that we're having in our family is much bigger than me and I have no idea what to do. God, these relationships are bigger than me. I have no idea what to do. My job being lost is bigger than me and I have no idea what to do. It doesn't matter, but our eyes are fixed on you. I don't know what to do, but you know what to do. I don't know how to fix it, but you know how to fix it. Pride comes, listen to me church, pride comes when we think we have the means and the power and the wherewithal to fix it. But the best thing we can do is surrender to God. God, I surrender. I'm inadequate to fight this battle. I'm looking to you for answers. We have no solutions to these problems, but we have you. And you are greater. You are mightier. You are bigger than any problem that I might face. We may not have the resources to fix this, but we have you. And he has everything that I need. He has everything you need this morning. There is no problem that you face today that God doesn't have the answer for. If it's physical, God's got the healing for that. If it's a a job situation, God has the provision for you. If it's, if it's reconciliation, God has the ability to do that this morning. God can work all those things out this morning. Seek Him and all those other things will come into place. He has everything I need. Verse 13, now all Judah with their little ones. I like that, don't you? They didn't leave the kids out. They brought them along on this journey. I think it's good that we teach our children how to respond to situations the right way when they're young. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives, their children stood before the Lord. They're waiting on God. God, you have seen. We have cried out to you. We have fasted. We have done everything that we know to do, Father. And now we are standing before you and we are waiting on you. Waiting on God is important. Waiting on God is important for all of us. We we have to have those moments where we just stop trying to fix things, stop trying to work things out, and we just simply stand and wait on God's answer and His provision to come into the situation. 
standing before the Lord. Waiting on God is important, but I would say waiting on God together is powerful. Waiting on God together. They brought everybody together. We're going to stand in the presence of God together. You remember in the old days when we would just stand before God and we would just tarry on the, uh, wait on the Lord and just wait for God's presence to show up? That's before we were so busy that we didn't have time to do any of that kind of stuff. And I think it's important that the church gets back to some of those things. We lose sight of that because we have programs and we have something that we want to get to or we have something to do after service. But you know what? We need to get back to the place where we just simply stand and wait on the Lord. Those are moments where God just lets us rest in His presence and then His answers come. Standing together in unity. Unity of heart, mind, soul. Wanting the same things which is God's will. If we can't agree on anything else, we can agree on that. And that needs to be the central focus. Verse 14 says, Then the Spirit of the Lord, when you stand before the Lord and you wait on God, this is what happens. Verse 14, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. The Spirit of the living God is released on people who will wait on God. When we're willing to wait on God, the Spirit of the Lord will move. It came upon Jehaziel. We need men and women this morning that are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that will speak in boldness. Amen. That will use the gifts of God. When we were praying this morning, one of the things that we felt like God was speaking is just that God wants to use gifts in this church and release the gifts of the Holy Spirit in this church. And we need men and women who are bold enough, filled with the power of God, that will release their spiritual gifts into this body of believers. We need some Jehaziels that will stand up and declare what God is speaking. This is what he said, verse 15. Listen, all of you Judah. And you inhabitants of Jerusalem, you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. The battle is not yours, it is God's. God will fight for you. Some of you this morning, you're facing some stuff and you don't know how to overcome it. I get it. We're facing some stuff and we don't know how to overcome it. And we don't know how to deal with it, but we don't need to know how to deal with it. We need to trust that God knows how to deal with it. And we need to sit and wait on Him. He has already won the war. He's already won the battle. He's already given us victory this morning. Verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Now wait, God, you said in verse 16, go down against them. And now you're telling me that we don't need to fight in this battle. He says, no, listen, position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Don't put your hand to it. Don't put your hand to it. He says, look, you just need to go down there. But you don't need to worry about fighting. I just want you to see what I'm going to do. It's an invitation. It's not a command to go. It's an invitation to come see. 
It's an invitation to see how I can work things out for your good. He says just position yourself with God in obedience and following the Lord, seeking the Lord, and stand firm in His presence and watch what He will do in your life. If we will position ourselves with God... And if we will stand firm in His presence and not be pulled to the right or to the left, not swayed by anything that's going around us, then we will see God's deliverance and His His provision come to pass in our lives. Jehoshaphat bowed his head, verse 18, with his face to the ground, and all Judah. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Jehoshaphat, it's the next day. A lot can happen in 24 hours. Amen? A lot can happen. I mean, we can, we can come into a church service and we can hear from God and we can get a direction from God and then we can go home and sleep on it and the next day we can lose our minds all over again. I, I forgot all about what God did in the altars yesterday and I'm just going back to the way things used to be. But here is good leadership. He comes into them and he says, Look, now this is what God said. This is what God directed us to do. And he reaffirms the people and he encourages the people. He spoke faith, he speaks truth, and and he says, look, don't look at what's happening. Let's regard only what God says in the situation. I encourage you that when you're facing challenges that you are careful what you speak, that you speak faith, that you speak truth, that you don't look at what's happening and you only regard what God says. Don't lose heart, don't give up. Get ready to see God perform a miracle for you because he's about to fix Some messes. God wants to fix some messes in our lives. Verse 21, And when he had consulted with the people, he had appointed those who should sing to the Lord. (laughs) Maybe, I like the way it says that, who should sing to the Lord. Maybe there's some that shouldn't sing to the Lord. I don't know. (laughs) That person's off key, and they're messing up my mojo as we march in in this battle. I don't think that's what it means. Who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of His holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. Now verse 22. Now when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. When they began to praise, God started working. When they began to worship, God started working in the situation and moving on behalf of the people. We need to learn to praise Him at His word. When, we, when they began to sing, the Lord moved. Praise precedes the victory that we're longing for. Praise precedes the victory that we're looking for. Praise changes our thinking and causes courage to rise in us. And so why is it important that we always start with worship? Because praise it puts us in the right mindset to approach the throne. It puts us in the right mindset to trust God. It puts us in the right frame of mind to go and face the world that we've got to face out there and whatever is, comes our way when we praise first it puts God in the right perspective it positions us with God so that we understand that he is the one that can bring out the victory in our lives verse 23 then the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them and when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir they helped to destroy one another. 
people that wish to do you harm. Because we've all had those at times in our lives where we've had people that wish to do us harm and the enemy that wishes to do us harm. Let God handle it and they will destroy one another. There's always going to be something that's going on in your life. And we have the temptation always to try to fix it or try to, try to, to deal with it ourselves. But the Bible says he will take care of it if we'll put it in his hand. Verse 24, so when Judah came to play to a place overlooking the wilderness, they show up and the battle's already taken care of. They show up and they get to watch what God has already done. It says when they came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one, no one had escaped. No one is getting away with anything. The enemy is not getting away with anything in your life. You know, it may feel like sometimes that you've been ravaged by, by difficult situations and you have been plundered by the enemy, but he's not getting away with anything in your life. God is a record-keeping God, and he will execute judgment and justice when the time is right. Be sure that he will make everything balanced in the end. Verse 25, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil... They found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away, and they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. God doesn't want you to come out on the other side of your mess empty-handed. God is always bringing us through these situations to bless us on the other side of it. Not only does God want to fix it, but if you will trust God, He will bring you out and will bring you out better off coming through the battle. We know all things work together for good for those who, call, uh, who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. The battle was to bring about a blessing in Judah. God, why did you not? He says earlier, God, we had a chance to destroy these people a long time ago and you wouldn't let us. Because they weren't built up enough yet. They weren't, they weren't rich enough yet. They weren't blessed enough yet. God wanted them to, to build their, their caches to the point where that when they come against Judah, God was going to deliver them in such a way that the blessing was so much that it took them three days to carry it off battle was to bring about blessing. Verse 20 says, Jehoshaphat calls it by faith when he says, Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. I don't even know if he knew what he was saying. But at the moment he spoke that, it was a faith message to God and God delivered on it right there in the valley of Barakah. Verse 26, And the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Barakah. For they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of the place was called the valley of of Barakal. That word means blessing. Praise not only precedes the victory, it also concludes it. Hear me this morning because I think that we oftentimes, I, I, especially myself, we, we oftentimes fall short in giving praise to God after a victory is won. We're so relieved and we're so thankful that, that the difficulty is over that we oftentimes just fail to stop and really thank God for what He has done. Praise should not only precede victory, it should conclude it. Thank God for His goodness. We often feel so much relief from it 
that we neglect that portion of praise. And I just want to encourage you that we take time to thank God for all that He has done and all He has blessed us with. I'm going to ask Amber to come this morning to the keyboard. And I want to close at verse 27 here in just a moment, but I want to say that, look, today the battle's not yours, it's God's. It really is. It's, it's God's battle. If you let Him, He'll fight for you and He'll win the victory for you. Quit fighting on your own. Quit trying to solve it with man-made answers because none of those are going to bring about a solution to your situation. Let the Holy Spirit baptize you with fire. Lean on God fully and you will find yourself blessed in whatever difficulty you find yourself in. Verse 27 says, Then they returned. Every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of God. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of whose countries, of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Verse 30. And the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for his God gave him rest all around. Peace comes from fully relying on God. Victory comes from fully relying on God. Deliverance comes when we fully rely on God. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burke Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself.